everyone, and welcome to What's Your Number? The chronicles of two well-traveled women as told through sexual experiences. I'm Olivia, recording from Barcelona. And I'm Mariah, and I'm in Austin, Texas. And this podcast is the one where we relive the most tragic, cringiest, and sexiest moments of our lives in an effort to answer the question, what's your number? Olivia, what is your number? <laughs> I wish I could tell you, Mariah. <laughs> but before we get into all that, let's talk a little bit about what the hell it is we're doing. Let's talk about that. What's your number? What's the podcast about? What are we doing here? Well, basically, we are telling the story of every single person that we have had sex with in chronological order, one after the other. <laughs> well, when you put it and like that, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> what a good time, you know? That sounds sounds like nothing could go wrong there, right? You know? No, of course not. <laughs> no one's feelings could possibly be hurt. <laughs> sounds like a bundle of fun, you know? Um, yeah, well, so, I mean, a lot of people have kind of asked us, like, so what exactly are you including in the stories? Like, what what are you talking about? Are you, like, talking about, like, the size of people's dicks? Are you, you know... That's negatory. Are you, are you, like... Sorry. Basically trying to show off the amount of people that you fucked in your lifetimes? Um, to which I usually say, no. It's about so much more than intercourse, as I'm fond of saying. Um, <laughs> you do love that word. <laughs> so much more about sexual relations at all because or in general, because, yeah, like, sex is so much more than that, especially when, you know, as millennials, we start having sex so young, and um, we have the, I think we have the privilege of being able to have a lot of different sexual partners and learning a lot about different types of people and ourselves um, throughout our life, our lifetimes, and, but at the same time, I think encapsulated in those experiences is so much more than that. No, totally. And we do like to dive dive in deep um, with these sexual encounters, even the ones that were just one-night stands. You know, it seems like we are always able to dig out a nugget of wisdom. Oh, God. <laughs> and, yes. and that is why you can never know how much pre-cum someone is going to create. I have no idea why I just took that example out of all the slew of examples. <laughs> We're like, we're not crass. We're not crude. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we absolutely are. But but not for the sake of crudeness or crassness. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I really think that um, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this project in general was to really tell the stories of our lives in, in the telling um, to understand those experiences better and integrate yeah. them more into who we are. Um, understand how right. they've shaped us as people. 
Exactly. That's it. And by being vulnerable here and recording them and letting people listen, hopefully creating some space for people to think about their own experiences and um, maybe reflect on what those have meant for them and also to, you know, laugh along with us. Um, A lot of people have also asked us, you know, what counts as sex and uh, you know, especially since we're going one by one and counting them up as we go, um, what, what enters into the count and, um, how we arrive at the numbers. And I mean, in the end, we've just decided that we consider any sexual encounter that felt meaningful to be a story worth telling. So we're pretty, pretty open-ended on that. And, um, even though we are, two women who mostly have sex with men, um, mostly, um, you know, we don't really, we don't want that to define the podcast or define, um, what we think of as sex. I think we're pretty, pretty loosey-goosey about that definition. Would you agree? Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, I think we just had a super good conversation in preparation for introducing kind of the history behind the podcast and how we came up with the idea. And one of the things I think that we value in telling each other these stories is that it's just a really safe space um, where we can feel not judged for our behavior, actions, and supported and um, have, you know, get wisdom from the other person. And that's something that we've experienced in a lot of, you know, close friendships before. And um, something that I think you do, you definitely see in a lot of like female friendships. I think women are super communicative and um, can be really supportive. And I've I've had the benefit of having a lot of those those close friendships is essentially what I'm saying. But we don't want other people to feel like this is just about women, you know, I think this is more about our experiences as people. And we think that everybody should be talking more about sex and should be having these conversations with their friends because it's really cathartic and it's super fun. And yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have any friends, we'll be your friends. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, as long as you're pure in your intentions. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. I'm like, I'm like, careful what you say on the internet. <laughs> careful, <laughs> careful what you put out there because there's some weirdos. But, um, Let me put it this way. If you don't have any like weird stories to listen to, weird sex stories to listen to, you can listen to ours. That's really what they mean to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to be hard on our past selves. Although no. we are trying to be, you know, real about experiences reflective. that we've had. Yeah. yeah, reflective and honest. I think at the end of the day, we're trying to do just that. We're trying to be honest about these experiences because, yeah, like these experiences are what make us people, um, having yeah. having varied experiences, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So as you were saying before, Mariah, we um, have been at this for a while, and this is really our second draft of the podcast. We've recorded um, these episodes before, and we're coming, we're coming at it for a second crack now. And so we've gotten some feedback from from folks, and um, we've 
also just been explaining for a while what we've been working on um, that's been taking us away from our family and friends. Um, <laughs> well, we've been in the corner recording this whole time. And so um, throughout explaining the podcast to folks, um, people, a lot of people have had similar questions. So we're going to try and address some of those now um, before we go into the first episode, just so people have their bearings and um, we don't confuse anyone so one thing people have asked is how do we two people one of whom lives in austin texas and the other one who lives in barcelona how do we know each other how did this even happen well our first recording of this um we spent about 20 minutes just answering this particular question and so i'm gonna (laughs) gonna spare you guys the details um, but I think that the gist of it is that um, Olivia and I have lived parallel lives. We uh, have basically I went to college with her childhood friends. We got introduced yep. that way. And then we are both travelers who have like Olivia currently lives in Barcelona. I spent um, a long time living in Latin America. And um, we are also both writers and we've just kind of have a lot of similar, as Olivia had kind of mentioned before, a lot of curiosity for the world. And I think that culminated in, it culminated in us living together in Barcelona um, the summer of 2019. Was it 2019, right? That's right. Yeah, that's my memory. (laughs) And so we lived there for a little while. Olivia had just gotten a new apartment. I was kind of bopping around uh, Europe for a while. And, And so began the first day of the rest of our lives, right, Olivia? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yes, you showed up here um, excited about life. And um, we were getting settled in uh, in Barcelona and we decided to take a little writing retreat uh, to France. And um, while we were on this kind of weekend trip, we were both trying to get some writing done, but mostly just chit-chatting, as is our want, and <laughs> um, kind of started talking about yeah. our virginity stories, or the stories of how we both lost our virginities, and um, sex stories in general, and then that's when the question came up. Um, I asked Mariah, like, what, what is your number? And... Um, she asked me back, but neither of us knew. So that kind of began the this game we started playing where we were trading stories back and forth in chronological order, starting with uh, number one and moving forward. Yep. And as we were kind of telling these stories, we were, you know, we're like sitting at a cafe, we're sitting by the river, we're sitting by the beach in southern France, we're eating mussels and... <laughs> You know, we're just <laughs> we're just gabbing away, and um, I think we noticed a couple of different things. I mean, I think the first thing was something that I mentioned earlier, which is just how good it felt to have a chance to really tell the whole story to somebody who is just sitting there listening in a non non judgmental, supportive way, um, and get to include every single detail. And as you kind of look back on that experience and describe what that person looked like and described, you know, how you guys met, it would transport you back to that moment. And it is extremely cathartic. But not only that, we also found that it was super interesting and we were very interested in the other person's storyline. 
Yeah, I feel like we both sort of got hooked by the other person's story and wanted to know what was happening next. So it was almost like we were just excited to hear about the next person. We're like, wait, are we on number seven yet? Okay, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me. I remember even on the bus on the way back to Barcelona, we were still going. Yeah. What number are we on? (laughs) The whole bus was probably like... What are they talking about? I know. So animatedly. I know. They're like, ugh, Americans. Um, yeah, they never <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> and it's true. They're so loud. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I think that honestly, it's it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you can say, oh, I want to make a podcast about this and I want to make a podcast about that. But, like, this one just seemed to have, like, all the makings of a good story. And um, we were like, let's do it. And we recorded a bunch of episodes before I left Barcelona. And I think we, to be honest, I think we kind of recorded them in a hurry. We didn't take as much time, like, actually planning out, you know, our storytelling style. Um, We used a different style of microphone that was not super great recording quality. And so I think there were just, like, a lot of things that, um, you know, we kind of rushed through. But we still remained dedicated to the project. And, um, you know, we've spent the last year or so working on it on the side and and kind of uh, trying to iterate on that first draft. And we decided that that means that we would like to start over and um, do it right for the first time. So, yeah, start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. And it feels like as we've continued with the project uh, through all this time, it still feels important and it still feels like we're making something public that, so often happens in private, um, often between two women talking in depth about sex, love, and everything that goes along with all of that. And it felt so good to have a chance to tell these stories and be really vulnerable with each other and tell the whole thing, uh, sparing no detail, and uh, get the other person's take on it. Not that we are here to editorialize on each other's stories, but just offer a different perspective or ask some questions because some of these stories are things that I haven't thought about in years, but some of them are things that I uh, have carried around with me for a long time and have thought about a lot and have kind of had kind of made these calcified uh, narratives around that I think getting bringing them to the light and talking about them with you um, was really awesome and helpful Um, and so yeah it seems like now we can take a little bit more ownership over our experiences um, as sexual beings. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's funny seeing the difference from the first draft of our recordings and how, you know, a little, we were just so much more bitter. I mean, we weren't like that much more bitter, but I think we were just still kind of processing some of those experiences. And I think, you know, with more time and more like, I guess having the opportunity to look at them as, as stories, instead of just like experiences that were so impactful on your life has been just super healing in a lot of ways and also yeah. just hilarious and it's just super fun. <laughs> it's fun to hear. Yeah, it's just fun to hear 
<clears throat> you know, the 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 trials and tribulations of being <laughs> like a, a young sexual being in this world. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny, it's sad, it's empowering, and it's kind of all of those things that make for a good story. So um did want to mm-hmm. add a small disclaimer. Um, these are stories about real people. And so we wanted to make sure that we were protecting the identities of, you know, people who are being involuntarily um, <laughs> subjected, in, involuntarily thrust into the story. But to be honest, if you have ever fucked one of us, you probably could have guessed that this might have been a possibility at some point. If you have thrust into us, you might have known that it you would have been feel, thrust into a story or it two. It doesn't feel particularly out of character. So, you know. Um, but yeah, we wanted to make sure that we were keeping um, their identities protected and also for ourselves just to make sure that you can't Google our names and, you know, see front and center a list of how many people I've fucked in my lifetime. Um, not that I am not down to be open about that, but, um, yeah. So we're, we're trying to protect people by using pseudonyms and that's just a little disclaimer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we get to the goods? No, let's get to the good part. Let's get to the fucking. All right. Sounds good. Let's start with number one. Why not? Nothing kinkier than a virginity story, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one will ever know how you paint yourself beneath your clothes. So no one will ever know how you paint Cheers. Cheers. Oh, to episode Cheers. one. <laughs> Cheers. It's episode one, yeah. I what are you what are you drinking over there got, on your end of the Zoom? I got some white wine. Um, Ooh, yeah, chilled, chilled from Christmas. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful a little Christmas wine. I'm um I I'm drinking a Modelo. Oh, a classic. And I have to say it is it's ten thirty in the morning. Yeah, over here in Austin, Texas, but. It is a Friday, and I've worked my ass off this week, so. Yeah, and it's like beer is a grain, you know, so it's kind of like cereal. Just like a bowl of cereal. Yeah, exactly. But in a bottle. I feel like a little breakfast beer never hurt anyone. Absolutely not. I haven't even really eaten breakfast yet, but. Well, then this definitely isn't going to (laughs) hurt. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I I mean, this reminds me of like our first recordings of of the podcast, but. I mean, I feel like this first episode is a fun one because it's, you know, virginity stories, which is like the classic sex story. The classic, so. exactly. Yeah, the the or the or story where it all begins. The or story. I think that's what people say about origin. Origin. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Were you just <laughs> you're shortening origin? <laughs> no. Anthropological term. Oh, really? <laughs> er, oh, okay. Sorry, er, I didn't I know that. I pronounced it weirdly. It's like it's a U R U R, like the origin. Oh, I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, sometimes my my folklore studies come in handy. Rarely. Love. It. I would say very love rarely. It, love, <laughs> it. love it. Thank you, undergraduate degree. Mm. Yep. Yes. Love it. Thank you, undergraduate. All right. Thesis. Well. 
should we have you kick us off with your virginity story? I Take mean, us back to I guess the halls of your boarding school in high school and Yeah, yeah, let's take what, it back. Yeah, let's take it right to that place where people will just start out hating me because that's how <laughs> when you when you tell someone that you went to boarding school, they automatically hate you. This is what I've learned. Um so yeah. it's like, okay, well, let's deal with that up front. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel like it just sounds super fun it reminds me of like harry potter or something totally totally and it was fun um not quite that fun sadly but i mean imagine having a uh like like a dorm room with no parents around to like lose your virginity you oh know? baby yeah i don't have to imagine <laughs> yeah i know right you definitely <laughs> You definitely got the the good end of that deal. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Also, I just want to say before we begin, number one is like one of my favorite characters in this <laughs> whole entire chronicle. He's just a perfect, like just a wonderful little human being, you know? He really is. He really is. Yeah. He's kind of a silly Billy sometimes, but <laughs> you know, he's yeah. other, but compared to that, the like, silly fucking Billies that will come after him. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like, he's he's such good, such good people. So yeah, is, <laughs> yeah. Shout out number one. <laughs> okay, you all are gonna love him. So let me <clears throat> let me tell you about about him. Um, he was someone that I didn't really talk to at all the first year of high school. Um, I was a new kid, as was he, and I definitely knew who he was because it was a small school, 80 people in our class. But we never spoke, and he was in honors, math, and science, and everything else. And I uh, showed up to boarding school with a Montana math education. <laughs> so oh, I God. Like, way I know. My. Dude, I feel you on that one. I was like, so hard. wow. So we're going to just write, start with the Pythagorean theorem <laughs> right off the bat. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I knew what the Pythagorean theorem was, but yeah, I was definitely behind in math. And it was, it was a weird um, first year in a lot of ways because, yeah, boarding school is weird. I mean, I'm not going to go that into it because it's, it's not a, what people are here for. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I had gone because that's for your next podcast. Yeah, it'll be our next podcast. Try, yeah, interviewing people at boarding school. It's just a weird scene. Um, I had a lot of people ask me if if I was rich or if I was bad, like if I was in trouble, you know, or if I was pregnant or something. Um, and the answer <laughs> is neither. I just really wanted the education. <laughs> <laughs> you crazy you crazy yeah exactly i was i was wiling out and um yeah. so i was there on a scholarship so i just didn't really know what rich people were all about and i definitely floundered that first year so it's probably good that we met the second year i came back and i was excited to see the friends that i had made the first year and i really wanted to get bit more involved in the scene and um not you know not be so shy as I had been the first year and so I tried out for the play and I got a part as you do <laughs> put yourself out there <laughs> in a very literal way prepared a monologue and everything oh, God. 
That is hilarious. Um, and I got a part, and so did number one. And there we were on the first day of play practice, um, which isn't really much of a rehearsal. You know, you're just maybe do a read through and play some theater games. And I don't. What were your parts? It was a weird play. Uh, I was that we we played different parts. Uh, it was the Triangle Factory Fire tri- Triangle Factory Fire play. <laughs> Sounds very boarding school. <laughs> yeah, it was about all these um, dressmakers that get burned alive in a fire uh, in the tri- in the Triangle Factory fire. Oh yeah! Wow, was, how very highbrow. <laughs> Yeah, it was very, like, bizarre. And I don't remember all my parts that I played, but I remember... Yeah, it was very kind of avant-garde. You know, you would, like, do a a dress change with just, like, a hat, and then everyone was supposed to understand that you'd become a different person. And, of course, Mm. we were all definitely good enough actors to pull that off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, it was definitely a challenging role. number one is just throwing his hat in the ring for this school play like that's yeah that's pretty was was he like a nerd or like was he like a theater was he into theater no I mean I I think it was his first play as well and he was definitely a nerd um but he you know, it's such a good question. I don't know why he decided to do the play. It was it doesn't really fit with his character. It's not what you would expect if you met him at all. But he was gotcha. actually a pretty good actor. We did theater all of high hmm. school and we he he was surprisingly good at it. Mm. Okay. And he did like anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. You know what? I'll just stick to this. Okay. Um so carry on. <laughs> so um we were doing these these theater games, and at some point, I don't know if it was a trust fall, something like that, um, I felt his- How romantic. Oh, yeah. It fell into his arms. No, I think it was not something even that intense, because what I remember is his hand on my back, and kind of just feeling this, I don't know, as I just hadn't been touched like that before. I was like- a virgin, you know, such for the like, very first. Pussy was like on fire, and you're like, "Ooh, what is that?" I know exactly. I was, wow. I even remember the material of the shirt that I was wearing. That was kind of this silky aquamarine polo. I know, I know the one <laughs> with like a contrasting camisole underneath. Oh my god! Very, um, very 2006. Um, <laughs> yeah, and. And I just think I felt the heat of his hand on my skin and was like, whoa, hi, what's your name? Even though I definitely knew. And um, (laughs) he was flirting with me as well. And from that first play practice, everyone kind of looked at us. What's going on over there? And um, he was fasting for Ramadan and at sun set we took a break and he had his uh snacks to break his fast and he offered me a date and i was like fuck yeah it's on it's it's happening (laughs) that's such a a a wonderful little like metaphorical 
um, offering, you know, like (laughs) it's it's very high school. It's like the high school version of a date, you know, an actual date. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) A little morsel of morsel of sugar. Exactly. A little sweet goodness. Um, Yeah. I, I don't think I really enjoyed it, but I enjoyed that he had given it to me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, your first date's kind of like, what the fuck is this? Anyways, so yeah. um, things just took off from there, and we started going out officially um, upon my insistence. Uh, yeah, I sent a message to the grapevine that he'd better make an honest woman out of me after that time we made out in the woods. And he did. And <clears throat> I think the thing that's interesting when I look back on on number one in my relationship at the beginning was I just wasn't really a sexual person at all until we started dating. But we had so much sexual chemistry that it was undeniable. I I mean, of course, I, I, you know, I was 15 years old. I was horny and whatever. But I hadn't masturbated. I didn't really look at myself in the mirror and think, oh, I have a nice ass until, you know, he told me you have a nice ass. That was how I I found that out or whatever. I just don't think it was something that I was really thinking about very much. Of course, I had my insecurities and was, you know, um, sure that I would never be good enough. But as we started making out and touching each other in the um, unused elevator in the art wing, I realized (laughs) that... I had all these things going on inside me that I just hadn't really tapped into. And um, so I think I I had my first orgasm with him on the floor of the math classroom before the opening night of the play. That's intense. Yeah. The math classroom, like in school. Oh, we were all over in school, yeah. What were you what were you doing? <laughs> I think he was fingering me. Yeah, I know, I'm sure. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That you were able to like come from that. I mean, actually, never mind. I don't know. I think I definitely came from like fingering. Yeah. When I was when I was that age. Um, but it just seems like I guess no, I guess that does make sense. When you first told me the story, I was like, really? He made you come like by fingering you? Yeah. But I guess it kind of makes sense. I just think of some I think some guys, especially like 15 year old guys at that time. I feel like didn't really know what they were like doing when it came to fingering. So right. like I'm I'm kind of just impressed, but Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was an impressive yeah. guy, for sure. Yeah. Um and that it was and then it was like in such an environment because I can yeah, it just like where you kind of are like trying to do it quickly, I imagine. Right. Well, that was the thing about yeah. boarding school was like um I mean, I should say he was not a boarder. Uh he was a day student, but I think that we just had these long periods of time at school that were unstructured time and I suppose he was there for the plays and maybe that's why he kept doing theater because <laughs> <But laughs> it kind of makes sense play practice would be late in the evening and then so we would have these long languid afternoons where we would just yeah of course we were worried about getting caught and stuff but a lot of the school would be abandoned after five you know the teachers would go home and it would just be our, our sexual playground. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, That's crazy. It definitely surprised me. I mean, goodness. Yeah. I'd heard about orgasms, but I was like, now I get what all the fuss is about. I never want to yeah. get up from this threadbare carpet yeah. again. 
<laughs> I could die here, happy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we were having fun and just really continued to have a lot of fun. I think it was also, I, I became a lot more popular by being his girlfriend. I didn't realize that that would be a thing, but you know how it is in high school when as a couple, you just have a lot more social, not power, but it was like, I wouldn't get invited to parties that first year because I was new and I don't know, nobody knew me. Um, but then, then once I was number one's girlfriend, well, then I was just automatically on the roster for fucking everything, you know? You know, and you have to wonder, though, like, was it just your time? Because I feel like people don't really get cool until sophomore year. This is true. This is true. Yeah. If you start out freshman year cool, <laughs> sorry, but your star <laughs> will shine bright, but not for very long. You're just, yeah, you're destined to be a loser in your 20s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's entirely possible. Um, and I think in general, I was coming more into my own uh, the second year, but all of the sexual prowess that I felt all of a sudden was definitely helping my confidence. And we, yeah, and as I said before, um, or as you said, we, I did have a bed on campus. So we were, we were also sneaking into my dorm room a lot where he definitely wasn't supposed to be. But, um, I had a I had a good roommate that year and we we worked out a really nice system. Um so <laughs> <laughs> what was the system? Um I think it was more just that we, you know, we shared the space so she could have it for herself and then I would have it for myself, you know. Um and she really gotcha. she really supported the relationship and got along well with number 1. Um <laughs> and yeah, so we that first year we dated, um, went home for the summer. We didn't see each other. I was kind of worried about what would happen after a summer apart. But when I went back junior year, things were still good. And we had been talking a lot over the summer. And that was around the time that we decided to have S-E-X, you know, full-on penetration, P in the V, all the show. I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> he was kind of like, fuck yeah. Ah, okay. How long into like dating were you ready to move forward with that big first step? So we had been dating for a year at this point. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, that's a that's a while. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're ready to you're ready to fuck. Yeah, definitely. Um, yep. I think I mean so we were apart over the summer. Maybe we would have had sex over the summer. You know, whatever. Um, but he, if we'd been together, but he <clears throat> wanted to go to sex camp first. Mm-hmm. And I, as you do, I, I know you're wondering what sex camp, right? <laughs> <laughs> What is that sex camp? Yeah, I I didn't I definitely did not go to sex camp I, no. at my uh, at my public school in Montana. No, you guys didn't get taken away to an Anglican retreat and forced to speed date your contraceptive options. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That was strange. No, it was a really weird thing that they did at my high school where they just. Didn't want to take any time away from the science curriculum. So they just took us for a long weekend 
up to this retreat center where they just told us all that we needed to know in three in three days. Just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And I mean, we were whamming and bamming and thank you, ma'aming, of course, the whole time because we were so horny talking about sex all day. And then at night, you know, we would all sneak out um, and like <laughs> fuck like rabbits. No, I'm just kidding. I actually didn't, but I'm sure people did. Um, number one was kind of freaking out at, at sex camp. Um, he had been very clear that he wanted to go and... <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to go and learn what we needed to learn before doing the thing. And I was, I respected that. Um, and so there we were learning what we needed to learn. And then there was an opportunity to ask a an anonymous question of one of the invited speakers or whatever. I think he was a doctor. Um, and so... Number one wrote on his index card, if you're a virgin and the person that you have sex with is also a virgin, is it still possible to contract an STD or STI? Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Ah. <laughs> Hence why he's my favorite character, precious little number one. He's just so sweet. And he's freaking he's so concerned. out. He's freaking out. I mean, he definitely didn't have the same, I would say I was raised in a pretty sex positive household where although it was awkward for me to talk about sex with my parents, if I needed to, I could. Whereas for him... You know, there was a lot of shame around it, and it was a very his his parents were quite religious and definitely didn't know what he was doing. So it it or planning to do. So I think he it was a big step that he had to take really on his own without yeah parental approval, which for number one was everything. Parental approval was pretty pretty major, <laughs> and I think probably every important decision he'd ever made in his. 16 short years on the planet he had probably run by them so i feel like that was really hard for him to not be able to you know talk to them and make sure that he was gonna do it right so he's really covering his bases <laughs> and the yeah. the speaker was answered the his question um about getting stds as a virgin if both people are virgins by saying I suppose if one of the parties has contracted herpes in the vaginal canal, there would be a possibility <laughs> of passing it on, oh but God. very, very, very <clears throat> unlikely. And he comes up to me after the talk and he's like, I think we should get tested. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is hilarious. No, no, honey, we're not getting tested. <laughs> I mean, I never even kissed anyone but him, you know? Is this something that you can, like, talk about with your friends at the time? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, although not that many of them were having sex. I think I was kind of the first one but of my friend group. Um, but I did have an older, a few, a couple of older friends who were girls in boarding school who were boarders. And they, they definitely helped me a lot. Um, and actually, one of them came to Planned Parenthood with me and number one. Oh. We went the three of us. It was like me, 
him and then like the expert. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. No, that is, oh my that god, is so funny. I can't believe we did that. It was so silly. Yeah, that's super funny. Um, yeah, she was a friend of ours though, and she was in the play with us. Oh, and we we wanted her advice. We wanted her expert opinion. So embarrassing now that I think about it. What were we even doing? <laughs> what must the nurse practitioner no, what about have just- thought? Yeah, what about just, <laughs> that you guys were like a, a like a teenage thruple? Yeah, because I mean, yeah, you could have just gone in and asked all your asked all your questions, but I totally did go with a friend as well. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think at that age you're just mm-hmm. so friend focused. Yeah, you really don't know how to do things like on your own at that age. You really you don't. Know? No, it's like, so true. <clears throat> I remember like becoming like a teenage like an older teenager and when my mom started making me make my own doctor's appointments oh wow that's a good step that's a good first step of adulthood yeah (laughs) I was like this is hard I don't like calling people and like asking for things yeah exactly uh what you need my what my date of birth oh my gosh let me think (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously did you have to have to get the birth control did you have to do an annual exam no, not at Planned Parenthood at the time. Okay. Okay. I think I can't remember if they required that of me. I think maybe the next year or I mean yeah. or a couple years later or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But imagine if you hadn't had sex them trying to give you like a vaginal exam. That seems super fucked up to me. Yeah. Yeah, that seems really fucked up. So yeah, you're right. I think it's probably that way for me too. Um yeah, cuz I mean if you haven't had sex, you you don't have HPV. Um Right. Not yet. <laughs> so um, he he uh, really wanted us to use condoms and for me to be on the pill. So that's what we did. And I probably, I mean, I think I tell this story like it was, he was so, you know, intense. And I probably was too. I I probably wanted that too. I think later in my, in our relationship, I would want us to not do both it seemed at a certain point it seemed too much but I think also we had this dynamic where he was so 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 panicked about me getting (laughs) pregnant that it almost Uh felt like I didn't even have to worry about it it was because I knew he was on top of it he was almost taking the pill for me every day you know (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I I do know. I do know. Like, if there had been a male birth control, he would have been all over that oh shit. Oh, my God. If only. That would have been fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. I imagine that that's, like, what his parents or what, you know, other people in his life who had, you know, obviously practiced, like, who had been kind of teaching him abstinence-based mm-hmm. sex ed. Like, you know, don't get pregnant. Don't have sex or you could get someone pregnant. And so maybe he was just thinking, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he was extra panicked about that. And I remember being extra panicked about that, too. For sure. Um, maybe not as much as number one, because I don't know if anyone can be <laughs> as panicked as number one. But, like, you know, I was also concerned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> definitely. I think it was also the dynamic was such that he had a, a lot more money than I did. And so he paid for... Uh, everything and I'm sure he th- th- thought ahead to who would pay for that abortion and how yeah. and how that was going to be really difficult to explain that that charge on the credit card balance <laughs> when it came right. due to his parents so I I have no doubt that he had thought about all of the eventualities multiple times 
so he he was really on top of it and i mean and thank goodness i mean god he was such a in that way he was really such a great first boyfriend because he was he was watching out for us um even if it came from a place of panic and fear and deep anxiety i still appreciate it yeah um yeah so there's a lot of freedom in that too sorry i mean i know you're and i know we have to keep moving but you know there's a lot of freedom in in having someone else do the worrying for you in the relationship Mm -hmm. because it frees you up to be kind of the like you know the wild one a little bit yeah the fun one exactly it kind of sucks when you're with somebody who like isn't as cautious um and you know concerned like isn't doesn't run the numbers ever doesn't do the risk calculations because then you're like i feel like in my relationships like that i've had to yeah take on that role and it sucks it's definitely not as fun (laughs) as being the fun one yeah totally yes exactly totally i i I couldn't agree more and i i had no idea what that would even be like until much much later and then i and then i thought back on this relationship and was like wow he really took full responsibility for <laughs> both of our actions at all times. Of course, it has its claustrophobic moments, but um, yeah, totally. We uh, we had sex for the first time after play practice. Again, we we're there late and um, kinky. Everyone in the play <laughs> with us, or at least a lot of people, knew that. that that was the night. The night was the night. And they kind of yeah. sent us off with all this fanfare, you know? Yay, go do it. <laughs> I don't even know. They were they were excited for us. And um, kind of skipped off into the night. Uh, snuck him into my dorm room. It was a different year, but same roommate who was such a chiller. She was waiting for me on the other end of the dorm until I sent word. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, We had our system where you could lock the door uh, in the boarding school for five minutes while you were getting dressed after a shower. And so I always had a towel and bathrobe ready in case. And then he would run into the closet and I would put the towel around my head and put on my robe and answer the door if someone knocked. Which someone... I love that. Actually, you got to think ahead in boarding school. Um, Which someone actually did. Because she knew he was in there. She's a fucking tattletale bitch. Burn in hell. Um, thankfully, we weren't <laughs> doing it yet, though. And so... Okay. So I remember her knocking. And really, she had nothing better to do. And yeah, we and we went through the whole routine. Um, right, straight into the closet, towel around the head, open the door. Hi, can I help you? What's going on? She's like, oh, she pretended she was looking for my roommate. I was like, you know damn well where she is. <laughs> no, anyways. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> With that out of the way, we got naked. There's a deflowering in process. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure everyone yeah. in the dorm knew, you know, and that's exactly yeah. what she in the, What was, I mean, she definitely will go to hell for that, so I'm not even going to worry about it. Um, <laughs> so then we get naked again, get in bed, and um, oh my God, it hurt so much. It just hurt so bad. Oh my god, it's so painful. I had no idea. I just thought that it was an exaggeration. What would you say that it feels like? I would say that it kind of feels like any part of your skin ripping. Ah, 
I don't know. Yeah. Like your lip That's what or I, your like any kind of part of your skin that like has ripped before. It's kind of like that. Dude, well said. Well said. I it feels kind of like it's kind of like if someone were to, like take your arm or like your joint or something and just like something through it. Just push something through <laughs> it. Just push something through like the yeah, like just break it open, you know? It's it's a uh, it hurts like a bit. It's funny. Yeah, it's I, I'll I'll save some of this for my story. But yeah, it's it's funny like how much it hurts. And you do talk to people who are like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Right. Totally. You do. Totally. You do. Yeah. And you hear about that. Those people are lucky. But yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was also pretty painful. Yeah. And I think um, for me, I was just surprised because, you know, I had worn a tampon and I had gone horseback riding and I had um, been fingered, you know, a bunch <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I just really didn't think that it was gonna be a thing. And so I was like, damn. And then um but I just kept telling him to keep going. Uh and he and then eventually, you know, it passed because yeah, it breaks and whatever. And then but I still was just like, this is the weirdest experience of my life, you know. I still just it was it was so overwhelming. And um he he goes are you are you going to come cuz i'll cuz i'll wait <laughs> for you <laughs> i'm like <laughs> i actually laughed i was like that's funny just come like, okay oh my god this part kills me so much it's so hilarious so um, yeah no go ahead go ahead he was just expecting you to just like start squirting all over the bed yeah, or something. Yeah, someone's seen a little bit too much porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with you know, I like I I'm like so pro porn, but I I do wonder, you know, like I think people just like kids, you know, guys specifically. I mean, women too, but like guys just see like all this like super performative sex yeah. really early on. Yeah, and they just think that this is like what it's gonna be like. It's, yeah, it's so frustrating because. Sex is so many different things and it's so beautiful and it's amazing and it has – there's like so many fun different ways you can do it. But like it's not any specific way. Like you can't right. go into it expecting it to be a certain way, you yeah, know? Absolutely. And a lot of our early uh, sex life was me showing him that porn was not real life. And I didn't even know that I was doing that, but we did talk about it um at certain points because yeah he just really had different expectations about what it was all gonna be like so yeah not that it was that I mean and I mean I, I say that and it seems like he you know like he wanted to like double penetrate me or something on the first day or something like that it wasn't yeah. anything like super crazy but it just it was obvious that he had been watching people have sex for years and I had never seen porn <clears throat> so uh, I just wasn't on the same page and I was just doing it based off of you know the movies and some erotic novels that I had <laughs> stolen from my mom <laughs> yeah yeah and like based on the movies like you kind of just expect him to like kiss you on the forehead afterwards and like you're like this perfect little princess you know and <laughs> and I don't know I guess you yeah you just kind of expect you guys to like ride off into the sunset and he's like your soulmate or yeah I don't know maybe exactly. I'm projecting at this point but I I don't know I guess 
I feel like movies always ended with them having sex for the first time. Yeah, exactly. And it's afterwards where you really have to start cleaning up the mess. No. <laughs> but speaking yeah. of riding off into the sunset. So then um, we he has to go. And so I walk him down to the back door of the dorms, which is near where he has his car parked. And so I kind of go in to kiss him goodbye, and he just, (laughs) at at the same time, I open the door, which can only be open for, like, three minutes before the alarm starts going off. So I go to kiss him and open the door at the same time, and he just bursts off into the night. He just (laughs) runs away. No, like, oh, I just lost my virginity. I'm going to, like, saunter down to my car. No, he just sprints into the dark. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I love and this is one of my favorite visuals of the entire story too because it's just like it's so number one he's so cute oh my god he's just he's scared and he's excited he's excited (laughs) nervous and really likes me but really doesn't want to get caught at all times Um, wait he comes, right? Yeah, yeah, he came. You, you yeah. said, okay, he comes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. The, and then the, the other comment I wanted to say, too, isn't it funny how, you know, ostensibly him wanting you to have an orgasm is like him obviously being invested in your pleasure. But there's a certain point at which, like, guys wanting girls to orgasm, it feels like such a performative thing that it's almost like this gratifying thing that they're doing for themselves totally too, you know totally so yeah there's just a final comment on that on the topic that we talked about just a few minutes ago yeah yeah i think that's that's absolutely true thing. yeah yeah because i think you could see it and be like oh cute like number one wanted you to come i'm sure that's how he felt he's like oh i want her to come but it's like no you want the fucking you, sexual grat. Yeah. you want the gratification of knowing that you made her you want to make someone come and i find that a lot yeah. with I mean, I do think that those are usually the best lovers. The, there are men who legitimately get off on you getting off. That's really their main yeah. thing. And I mean, yeah. that's when you find one of those, you know, you gotta you gotta lock that shit down. But um, I like that. But sometimes, sometimes it can feel it's like a lot. lot. Yeah, sometimes it yeah. is a lot. It's like, well, sometimes it's a lot. I mean, I really just kind of wanted to give you head and then go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> But yeah, that'll come later. So um, (laughs) we we have a really really sweet relationship um, and stayed together, you know, through the rest of high school. So three out of four years of high school, we're together, and we have a little bit of drama here and there. Of course, I I suppose. I mean, I I think we. I, I know we got into arguments about stupid shit, usually about me wanting to spend more time with him and him having to be with his family. That was the main main source of tension. But Or sometimes with his friends. I wanted him a lot all the time. I think I was pretty needy. And probably because I didn't have my family there, that was maybe part of it. Um, although I had a lot of good friends and stuff. I just think that I... It didn't matter. We could spend an entire week together and I just would never get tired of being with him, you know? So I was sort of this unquenchable thirst for to be with him. And I think that was, that could be a bit much. Speaking of of things being a bit much. Um, but for the most yeah. part, we um, really had a very low drama, sweet 
relationship, which probably coming from the family I came from just felt sort of miraculous. I really loved how little we fought. I remember talking about that a lot at the time. And maybe I was avoiding conflict at some points too, because I really was so invested in us having a very peaceful, harmonious relationship. Um, But for the most part, I think we were very much on the same page about a lot of stuff and really genuinely liked each other and had a lot of fun together and supported each other and he helped me a lot with my math homework you know so I ended up catching up in the end and um (laughs) yeah we had a good we had a good thing going and so when it came time to apply for college and all that um we uh, both well I suppose in the end we both ended up getting into college on the east coast at schools that weren't that far apart from each other um And so we talked about when we were applying that if we both ended up there at our top choices, that we would stay together. And then it it happened and it was a reality. And so I was kind of like, great, isn't this awesome? We're going to stay together. And he was like, right. Well, thing is, is I don't know if that's really what we should do. And number one, I know, I know, promise number one, I know, I know it was intense. I I was unprepared for it for sure because, um, I thought he was obsessed with me and he, you know, he was always on the same page and we were always on the same page. Exactly. And I was like, this is so good. Why would we, why would we end it now? Of course I, I knew that there would be other guys at college, but I couldn't imagine that they would be anything like number like anywhere near number one yeah and I didn't have I think the same excitement about um uh going to college as he did because I had already done I had already moved away and and so he was having this whole other vision of what life was going to be like not living with his parents and being on his own and um as as you talk about too, um, in your own, in your own life, you know, when you grow up in a house with your parents, like very present, it's just crazy. You just imagine all the freedom you're going to have. And so I don't know if that had something to do with it too, but, um, also speaking of his parents, they were very, very much putting a lot of pressure on him to break up with me. Actually, I don't even think that's the right way to put it. They told him that he had to break up with me, that he, that we couldn't stay together in college, (laughs) which is funny because it's like, they didn't understand that we, yeah for adults you know yeah yeah like they don't have control over what their 18 year old son does yeah at the end of the day um he was moving out and so I think that was the hardest part because I think if he had told me I don't want to be with you anymore I would have had to accept that but he kept saying I think we should break up and my parents say we have to break up. So it was so hard to parse that out and and know what was him and what was them and what he really wanted and what we all really what we both really wanted. And um so we ended up deciding, kind of compromising, I guess, that we'll go to college but we'll be in an open relationship. And it's gonna be the type of thing where we won't date anyone else but we'll be allowed to 
sleep with other people and we won't tell the other person unless we catch feelings for someone and then we'll have to talk about it. So that's where we leave it right before we we go to the East Coast to start college. Mature, mature. Um, mature, mature. And also, yeah, I feel like it, it just reminds me of, you know, things that happened to me kind of around similar times in my life, you know, 18, 19 years old, where you're like, let's just open up the relationship and like we're long, long distance or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know, it just seemed like an easy solution because, you know, we're young. We have to, we don't want to miss out on anything. We have to do all those things. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, there's just so much, it's just so much more complicated yeah. than that. I guess I feel as, I don't know. I don't know if it had, well, maybe at the time it really wasn't, but I think like later on I, I see it as that. And so maybe really in my relationships when I was 18 or 19, it, it wasn't as big of a deal. But now, like when I think about it, I'm like, there's just so much emotional labor that goes into open relationships. Yeah, they're way know? more complicated than than other people give them credit. For. Yeah, exactly. It's not just about like not like not being jealous and then just kind of like going with the flow. Like it's more than that. Yeah. And at the time, we were like, we just want to fuck other people when we're not together. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 That's it. That, that's exactly how we said it too. Really, like, we'll be together when we're together. Yeah. Um, although yeah, I suppose yeah. we were you know, always in a relationship and never, you know, stop talking um, or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, it kind of seemed like that way he could have what he wanted and I could have what I wanted, which was to have him as my boyfriend still. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because because it's understandable a person who's so close in your life like that. It, it is more than just, it's more than sex more than a definitely hookup. like it, it means a lot and you know that's something that I think uh, I don't know my parents were like not pro me having sex but I definitely like I look back on that and I'm and I, it like pisses me off because it's like it's my fucking body you know and right. it's like I can do what I want slash I'm gonna do whatever I want right. so you may as well just accept it but also I think in a way they were trying to protect me from you know getting attached to people before like you really know what that actually means. Right. And I think, you know, maybe like the wrong approach because you can't ever stop people from doing that. But I do kind of see the intention in a way. Definitely. Um, because it's a lot to get super invested in another person at such a young age when you're making all these decisions, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably what his parents thought too. Because at that point, they had come to like me and, and accept that um, – I was in his life, but I just don't think that they thought it was appropriate at all for us to go Mm -hmm. off and start this new chapter of our lives when we were supposed to be studying and, and just try and try and stay together and try and hold on to this thing that from high school, you know, and I, I would probably give someone the same advice. Yeah. In a, in a way. I would too. Yeah, I would too. I would too. But like, I mean, it just goes to show like people, it's not over till it's over. Yeah. You know, for the people involved. And it's also relationships are are interesting. You know, I mean, I feel like the dichotomy we have of them regarding success versus failure is, is really fucked up. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it just is what it is for you in your life. And then if at some point you decide that it's not working for you, you just end it. You know, it's not, oh, well, you know, it's not going to work. Right. Like it's like, well, 
maybe it works for you for the first six months and then it stops working and then at that point you deal with it then right you know yeah absolutely so. yeah, yeah yeah and I think that's how I felt about it too at the time I was thinking we never fight we fucking love each other you, you took my virginity what we took each other's virginities we gave each other <laughs> our virginities yeah and we <laughs> and we are so in love I mean what what's why would we ever I didn't think we should take that so for granted you know um did you believe in like kind of the one at the time no I don't think so no no okay um I don't think that I did because I think just being yeah and growing up around my parents being in so many different relationships all the time and um, falling in and out of love a lot in front of me. I I knew that it was kind of a scam. Um, yeah. But of course, being in it for the first time, you're like, damn, it looks different from the inside, you know? Yeah, it does. It does. It does. I mean, even if you don't have that kind of – I mean, there. I wonder if, you know, maybe you didn't actually believe in love, but maybe there was like a little bit of the romantic comedy ideal that had kind of seeped its way oh, in it'll there. Oh, it'll seep in. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also wasn't allowed like, to play with Barbies, but I still thought that that was the ideal body image. You know what I mean? I wasn't either. Really? Yeah, same. Yeah. Same, yeah. yeah. Fuck Barbies. But yeah, of course, it seeps in anyways, though, you know, uh, regardless of, of what you have in your own home, the, the mainstream – uh, narrative is definitely that you're gonna meet cute and fall in love and stay together forever and I think I'm I think of well when I go back and read my journals from that time uh, yeah I did I thought I thought I thought this might be it forever I did I definitely did of course and I was fucking 18 and I was in love of course we did you, yeah but don't you kind of always believe that about the person that you're currently in love with I mean, you kind of do, right? I mean, well, maybe not always, but like, I feel like the person, I don't know, my current boyfriend always says, he's like, obviously, like, you're my favorite person that I've ever been with because every person that you are with currently should be that person. Like, you should be getting better. You know, you're, you shouldn't be with someone and be like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, you're fine for like right now. I mean, you can, but it's like, yeah, truly being in love is being lost in that feeling. Yeah, I don't to know. Some I'm not sure if I really believe that. I mean, I just I don't think that I ever let myself really believe that I'm gonna be with someone forever. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe it doesn't have to be that, but it, I think especially at that age, it's like hard to like not conflate those things. Exactly. You know? I mean, I think I was holding both things in my mind at once. I think I was. I think I was confused because I knew that that's what I wanted and that's obviously what I was fighting for because I wouldn't let him break up with me I was like yeah. I was like proposal denied try again <laughs> and totally so I was definitely <laughs> trying to stay with him um and I think it's also so hard to really remember what you were actually thinking when you were True. a teenager but um no but but I can definitely say that over the last gosh probably since that relationship every relationship I've been in since I I don't think I let myself really ever believe that it's gonna work but that's just yeah. my approach <laughs> yeah I mean totally that's your approach and I I think like I don't want to I don't want to overly simplify I guess 
kind of what I was, I wasn't trying to say that like you think that you're going to be with everyone that you're with currently forever, but I think it's just like you're willing to like fight for the relationship because it's like, of course, it's the thing that you really want. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you're in it. You're willing to be vulnerable for it. You're willing to take risks for it. You know, that's, I feel like that's what love kind of is, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, whatever that actually means, because obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm like trying to think like I feel like I haven't said, oh, I'm going to be with this person forever in a while or like I don't know if I've ever truly said that. I think I did about like my number five, maybe. I think I kind of had that like idealistic version of like, oh, we're going to ride off into the sunset together, whatever. But I think other times I've it hasn't been it hasn't been that like we're going to be together, but it's like I want to be with this person as long as I possibly can or like, you know. I'm going to make yeah. this work until it doesn't work or something. Right, right, so. right. And so long after it's not working in some cases. But um, yeah, exactly. And you guys were working. So that's you guys. That's you how guys I were felt at the great. time. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was totally my logic in a yeah. in a nutshell. Um, I right. wonder if it's time to hear about your number one. It's definitely time to hear about my number one. Um. I know this is our first episode and I just I really want to, you know, pull out all the stops for you guys. But um, I always refer to my number one story as my least interesting sex story. (laughs) Um, I don't want to brag. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I don't want to. I I know that like I feel like virginities is such a like fraught conversation for so many people. And I know a lot of people lost their virginities like before they were ready and it was in a situation where they didn't feel super comfortable and like supported and so I don't want to like um I don't want to you know just say oh it was super easy for me so you know like I you know whatever fuck all y'all don't worry I have plenty of sex stories where (laughs) there's a lot of other shit going on um but yeah like so for my virginity story um I basically went into it um I was 15 and I had had my first makeout session when I was 13. And that was when I kind of, I feel like, became connected with, like, my sexual being. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know that I was, I don't know that I was uh, connected to my pussy necessarily. <laughs> but, like, I was like, wow. There was just something about, like, the headspace of making out with somebody that just feels amazing. Yeah. Like, you just kind of get lost in this cloud of, you know, human emotion. And I absolutely loved it. Um, it was, I made out with this like guy who was, it was like, there's like this new guy who moved to town and, uh, all my friends liked him. And then he ended up taking me to the the middle school dance. And so we like made out all night (laughs) on the dance floor. And then a couple like weeks later, I was just like, oh my God, he's just like way too intense for me. And I broke up with him. Oh shit. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. But you got chosen. Um, Fuck yeah. But, but I was chosen. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, going into my freshman year, I had had, you know, a torrid love affair with my brother's uh, friend um, (laughs) in which we did not have sex. But, you know, like messed around a little bit. I basically realized like how inexperienced I was, inexperienced. But I was definitely super interested in becoming more experienced. (laughs) You're like, yeah, where can I get some of this experienced stuff? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I think that in this phase of my life, I just wanted to be older than I was. Mm -hmm. 
I think I I wanted to kind of have things figured out more. And I think, you know, that's the awkward part of being 14 is like you're self-aware enough to realize that you are kind of awkward and that you're like, you know, just you're still kind of childlike, but you're like becoming an adult. Yeah, it's a good way of putting um, it. Yeah. And, and so I think I just wanted to kind of I wanted to move past all that and just get into the fun stuff. You know, I wanted to. Yeah, I was I was definitely super interested interested in sex and I think the way that it manifested actually was like an interest in love and um I just wanted to be like I don't know, I think I just wanted to be like chosen and I wanted to have like a safe space in which I could explore all those things. Like I wasn't about to just like go fuck anybody at that point in time. Right. But I think that I was like ready to have like my first like relationship. Yeah, you wanted to I fall in it. love. I wanted to fall in love. I wanted to like experience what that was like because I had a lot of good friendships and, you know, I kind of had that whole thing. But like I gotten like a taste of that like makeout session and like you know, messing around and like, I'm like, I know what this like could be, you know, so let's, let's check this out. (laughs) And I was definitely like, I was definitely rebellious. Um, I remember I went to prom that year. So, cause like the high school that I went to was really small. And so everyone could go to prom, even the freshmen. So I went to prom with like this kid who was like a year older and he was super cool. And I was like, oh, maybe we have a thing. I mean, I think we both kind of liked each other a little bit, but you know, nothing really came of that. Um, I started smoking weed and drinking more. And so it was definitely like starting to rebel a little bit more. And I was 15 by the time prom happened, actually, because my birthday is in April. And then by the I think it was like the last week of school. um, So there was this kid who was like one year older than me. And he was actually new to town that year. I think he had moved to town like that spring. And this was a pretty small um, town. So you notice when somebody moves there, right? Oh, you definitely notice. You definitely, (laughs) definitely notice. Everyone's like, oh my God, someone who isn't, that I didn't go to elementary school with, you know? (laughs) Exotic. Someone who I didn't watch pick their nose. (laughs) Um, And yeah, and he was like the cousin of, you know, some kids who like went to my like high school, you know? So he came into town. I remember like the notes I have on him, uh, dark brow, brooding smart and dorky he had had a i know the dark brow gets me every time um he had a little he had a little bit of everything (laughs) i liked that he like during this phase point in time like i remember my favorite album of this time was uh what was it um the Benz by Radiohead. Okay, nice. And so kind of like, yeah, I was kind of like a little bit like, I don't know, just kind of grungy. I'd like, I'd like stay up late writing poetry. And, you know, I was just like, just I was like a little bit like emo. emo. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, was kind of emo. I was emo, but like in a grunge way. Like I wasn't like, I didn't like wear all black, you know, but like I like listen to like Radiohead, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I feel like the brooding aspect of him, like he wasn't, he wasn't one of the, one of those people who was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" You know, he was he was more like hung back from the from the group a little bit oh, yeah. and like smoked a cigarette. Oh you wow! Know? And I was yeah. like, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> so he kind of had that sort of feel. And you're like him. fanning your pussy up in the bathroom, <laughs> like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, ooh, are you like indifferent to my indifferent to my total my like my presence in the room? Like, ooh, like wow. I'm turned on, you know. Um, 
and yeah, and he had like good music taste. And I, I, we got introduced. I mean, because it was a small school, we, I'm sure we like knew of each other, but we got introduced through my best friend at the time. And uh, she was her older sister was like a little bit more of a partier, and so was number one. Number one, um, they just all hung out in like the party crowd. They went to the cool parties, basically. Gotcha. And uh, so somehow, I, I forget. I feel like we like one time we like all met up and smoked weed or something. You know, it was just kind like of one of do. those things where we ha- we had a hangout session, and then he was like interested, you know, and he like he texted my friend, and he's like, "Yeah, so what's her deal?" You know, he's definitely like. <laughs> He, he scoped it out a little bit. <laughs> and um, it all culminated in us hanging out, having a one-on-one chill sesh the last day of school, which is like usually a half day. And I remember we went to his house. His mom was gone. And we got Ooh. high and we watched The Wall by Pink Floyd. Amazing. <laughs> what chillers. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it was – we just – I feel like we – it just felt like we just really connected, you know? We really, like, bared our souls and we watched the wall and, you know, we just really got each other. And, um, yeah, he's <laughs> had some steamy makeout sessions. Like, I'm pretty sure he fingered me. He may have made me come. I don't really remember at that point. I, I think he probably, whether it was that time or a time, you know, shortly thereafter, I think he was one of the first people who did actually make me come by, like, fingering me. Yeah. Um. I think he didn't go down on me that day. But yeah, we just kind of like messed around and I was like, okay, like this feels good, you know? (laughs) And so we're like together. It's the first week of summer. The second week of summer, I leave and I go to orchestra camp. Um, Such a hard left turn on that, on the orchestra camp. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I, I always like, I rode that boundary between like total nerd and like cool, like partier, like rebel girl. Um, I get it. I, I know I that. Really know. I know that line well. <laughs> it's a fine one. <laughs> I don't really know like what what that makes me, but yeah, I I I was I was both of those things. And a couple of days into orchestra camp, I get a call from number one, and he's like, he's crying, and he was like, I cheated on you. Jesus. And um, yeah, and apparently he'd like been at this party, and he was drunk, and he hooked up with this girl, and. You know, he like he was just so he's like, I ruined our relationship. And I was just like, well, fuck you. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was just I was like super upset, obviously. Did you know the girl? And I think I've I did kind of we weren't like close, but she was a couple. She was like two years older than me, like a year older than him. Gotcha. And I think, um, yeah, I think. At the time, I I don't remember if I broke up with him or if, like, we both just kind of assumed that we were broken up. I think I had wanted him to fight for our relationship a little bit more because I felt like we had such a strong connection and we just really got each other and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so I think I just was super disappointed that that didn't happen and I kind of had, you know, a summer of celibacy, like, continued celibacy and um you know but had, had <laughs> can fun. you be a celibate virgin <laughs> i know i know right it, that's it's funny it's funny but i think i think i i don't i just remember being really sad after that because it was just like such a buzzkill you know totally and i think i was already kind of struggling in general like figuring out who i was and and 
wanting to be older and wanting to grow up and explore the world in certain ways and feeling, you know, feeling stuck in a small town, I think is like a huge theme that was like my entire, basically my entire high school. I felt very kind of trapped in a way um, because of how small the town was in which I grew up. Um, And, but yeah, so then I remember the, so school started and um, I don't remember if, I feel like my best friend may have talked to number one and she may have said, I think uh-huh. you can get her back or she may have, you know, planted the seed <laughs> of solid. hope in him. Um, but when I arrived to school, I think it was like the first or second day of school, there were um, some flowers in my locker and he was like, will you go to homecoming with me? And Aww. we just started texting again. And it was cute. And basically from then on, we were like together. So And stronger than ever. Stronger than ever, you know, like our struggle just made us stronger and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and we started hanging out at his house and um, yeah, it, it honestly just felt super good to like be, be in a relationship and have like this place where I could sexually explore and um, you know, he like went down on me and we kind of experimented with like oral and fingering and um, basically what we would do like until I actually lost my virginity was we would, he would like go down on me, get me off. And um, that I like am super, again, feel super privileged to like have had that experience with a teenage guy who was like that fine with going down on me all the time. Like, yeah, it was, it def- and the, yeah, and that you were coming. Exactly. Like he, I feel like he, he was invested in my orgasm and in a way that felt kind of like selfless. Like it felt like, uh-huh. you know, like it felt like he, and it totally wasn't selfless but it felt like (laughs) it felt like he respected me and like wanted me to come and you know all those things and and then so like he'd he'd get me off and then I'd get him off and then I think it was like probably six months into our relationship or maybe five months I think it was like during the winter time so we started dating in September I think it was like January or February and I was just like ready to go so like I couldn't (laughs) I couldn't actually wear tampons until this moment I remember I was always I was always super confused because I had friends who like wore tampons and I was like how do you like get it in and I remember like rereading like the instructions on the tampon box and being like <laughs> but like am I doing this right like do I not get it because I think I Damn. just yeah I think I just you know for whatever reason I think I just I was just I don't know, a little too tight or something. I don't know. It's just so, so shut. Damn. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I or maybe you just, you know, just didn't know how to, re- like, relax. Yeah. I think that something. now. I definitely think that now. I think I got a little squeamish about it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think I didn't really... Yeah, just, I mean, I, I do still get kind of squeamish about it. Like, not with, like, tampons, but, like, I just remember... The first time I tried to use like a diva cup. Have you ever tried one of those? Yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. was traumatizing because the old diva cups have like a super like intense seal. Cause I mean, the whole point yeah. is that it has a seal and like I like couldn't get it out. Anyway, so I don't know. You just, yeah, yeah, you get a little squeamish sometimes with like putting stuff up there, especially when, yeah, when you're just so inexperienced like that and you're not like used to like touching yourself and you don't really understand how things like work and, you don't have right. all the experiences before you telling you that whatever you put up there will come out at some point. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, what goes up must come down. <laughs> yeah. So 
what I do remember about us having sex, um, I don't remember like a lot of like buildup of us being like, now's the moment. I think both of us were just kind of like waiting for just getting a bit more comfortable. And I definitely remember I did not feel any pressure from him, which was super awesome. Like, I think I led the charge um, with that. And uh, I think we like tried a couple different times. And it was basically like every time we tried, it got a little further in there, you know? <laughs> and it was fucking painful. It was like, yeah. it hurt. For, it hurt both of us, honestly. Like, really? Yeah. Wow. He said it like hurt because it was like so tight that like he had to like, you know, shove his dick up this. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's it. That's. Damn. Yeah, but I mean, it probably only took us like, (laughs) I think it took us, you know, maybe like two or three times where we could like, I think by the third time we were like actually having sex and, you know, like, like fully having him go inside. And yeah, and then, but I definitely think it took me like a little while, as maybe it did with you too, to like actually enjoy it and like feel like I could, I could have it in there and think about trying to right. come <laughs> yeah know? yeah 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 even even entertain the possibility yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yeah so yeah but I mean I actually would not I would never really come from sex while I was dating him or like come during sex because I think like yeah I don't know that I ever have like come just from penetration because like the times I've actually come from penetration it's been like well, my clit has also been, like, being rubbed somehow because of the position. Right. Um, right. But, yeah. But, like, now I just, you know, I, I have other tactics that I use, but and I can come, like, from penetration along with those tactics, you know? Right. Well, I'll just, like, use my finger, basically, on my clit. You've right, got to rub right, the clit, right. basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. But, like, I hadn't Once quite you- – I hadn't quite figured that out with him yet. So, like, we continued. What we would do was, like, basically he would get me off by going down on me. And then we would have sex. And then he would finish. Right. And then that was our right, sex. Right, right, So, you know. That that was, yeah. That's just A to B, B to C. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't remember, like, I don't remember complaining about it. And I don't think he did either. And, you know, looking back, he might have been. Why would you complain about that? Exactly, exactly. Like, looking back. I wonder, you know, he might have been kind of vanilla, you know, in his approach to sex. But I also... I mean, he was fucking 16 He was fucking 16 years old. and That's a good thing. (laughs) He was... He was... uh, He was so respectful. That's, like, what I needed. You know, he didn't, like, pressure me into anything. Yeah. I feel the same way. It was right. But I definitely feel like we did... We did explore a bit, you know. I remember we tried this like cockering one time we tried like flavored condoms and you're just kind of like you don't really know what to do with anything at that point in time so yeah i'll give it a try um (laughs) and yeah and like and on the birth control subject i also went to birth planned parenthood with a friend of mine um who would you know she was experienced like she knew the ropes you know she'd been there before yeah and we we got some i got some i got put on the pill and then we also use condoms. We also doubled up and double up. I think both of safety. us were equally concerned about pregnancy. Maybe not as much as number one because, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Right. <laughs> but <Not> like <laughs> established. Yeah, but we were neither one of us wanted the pregnancy thing to happen. And um, I definitely still remember at that age if my period was late at all, I'd be like, oh my god, you know. 
you're like do oh i need God, to take too. a break i went does? and got a pregnancy test i got like the i got like they went to planned parenthood for the official and i was like the one from the grocery store is not gonna work yeah and when you're yeah, on the pill they were like you're on the <laughs> yeah and using condoms <laughs> yeah i know i i think i've had i may have had one or two of those as well where i was just like really worried you know um and, you know, looking back, I'm glad that I was because a pregnancy would have fucking sucked as a teenager. I mean, come on. There's yeah, a reason worrisome. why we were fucking terrified. Um, yeah, it would have been awful. And, yeah, what what was the last thing I was going to say about that? Um, oh, yeah, the, the final thing I will say about all of this that happened was I think the birth – I think that going on birth control at that age was not the best for me. Um you know, I'm glad that I was safe. Oh, yeah, glad, I agree. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't, like, worry about, like, you know, I didn't, I'm glad I didn't have to worry about pregnancy and that I was able to sexually explore. But, like, I can't even be on, like, on, um, what do you call it, oral birth control now because it makes me crazy. Like, yeah. it's just too much, too many hormones for my body to handle. And I realized that when I was, like, in my early 20s. And at this point in time, I didn't really know who I even was. And I think I had a little bit harder time, like, regulating my emotions with this type of birth control, you know, combined with teenage hormones. So you you would feel, like, sad or – yeah. Yeah. Were you just kind of depressed or – I don't know. I think I would, like – I would fly off the handle a little bit more. That's how birth control would affect me later when I was in my early 20s. Just make yeah. me a little bit more like volatile. Right, like right, it would right. be like just mood swings. Like one second I'd be normal and the next second I'd be crying. Um, and it wasn't like crazy yeah, intense, yeah. but I just feel like having your emotions like just kind of be all over the place is already the case for being a, when you're a teenager. And then when you add in hormones like or crazy like birth control hormones on top of that, it's like so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for me, I think I didn't know. I know that I felt ill all the time. I was either nauseous or had a headache. Basically for all of high school. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I went back and they changed it a few times. And and then I got on the NuvaRing later in life. And that was better. But I just had no sex drive. Because I think it was a progesterone only uh, thing. And I don't know. The way that that seems to affect me is that I just lose all libido. But again, didn't really notice because I just didn't know myself that well, I guess, is the simplest way of putting it. I just didn't really – I was trying to figure out why I didn't want to have sex, but it didn't really occur to me that it was the birth control for a long time. Yeah. But yeah. I yeah, know birth control are crazy. it's such heavy shit honestly like you know all the different ways that it can yeah. it can affect you um and yeah I just think about being a kid and navigating all that stuff at the same time yeah. having this like crazy substance pumping through your veins not ideal and yeah. I can understand my parents were pretty strict and you know I I definitely wish that they hadn't been so strict and that caused a lot of drama between my parents and I, who I whom I love dearly, mm-hmm. honestly. I love my parents. But, um, you know, looking back at that, I can understand why they wouldn't want their 15-year-old daughter to be on birth control. So did they not know? Oh, they didn't know. My mom found my birth control at some point, and she was pissed 
which I felt like is not the right reaction. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not condoning. I'm not condoning them being mad. I'm not condoning them trying to control me. But I I do wish that they we had been able to have like a better conversation about it. Um, but I do kind of yeah. I understand. I don't think that they took the right approach. I mean, I'm sorry to my parents. Like they're great parents in a lot of ways. Um, I think and they're, they're never going like, to listen to this. So boomers. Yeah, I think hopefully not. <laughs> fucking boomers like just don't really know how to be open about stuff sometimes you know like it's I mean that's I don't think you can generalize about I mean that's just the opposite of my experience I'm just like you guys don't know when to stop telling me things (laughs) that's so true that's very true I feel like at least my parents I I do all I'm trying to say is now that I'm like 29 I've tried a lot of different types of birth control I can see their concern. I think they should have gone about it a different way. They should have like accepted that I was going to have sex regardless. But like I can understand why that would be concerning if you know what I know now, which is that birth control can be a lot, you know. So. Right. Absolutely. The things you realize. But it would be more. Of course. It would be more helpful to be able to have a dialogue so that they can know why you're having crazy mood swings and ask you. Do you think it's the birth control? Yeah. I mean, Yeah. You know, number one's parents, number one's dad since uh, asked, well, I guess apologized to number one for how he acted around us having sex. And number one, many years after we broke up, passed along the apology to me. (laughs) It's like, by the way, my dad really apologizes for the way he acted because there was kind of an incident where he caught us and and he yelled at us and it was really traumatic but also I think just in general he his dad came to the conclusion that of what you just said it just would have been better we were gonna do it anyways and it just would have been better for there to have been more conversation about it so that it didn't have to be something that we were hiding all the time exactly that's super vindicating I mean you know I, I have a lot of sympathy for parents you know, there. I think a lot of parents. I know my parents had had kids kind of young, and I think that yeah. they were just figuring things out, as we all are in any relationship with any human being, as they were parenting us. Yeah. And I think they also would have done a lot of different things um, had they been able to do it again. And so I do have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, yeah. You know, but obviously we we all get to live our own experience, our own truth about our experience as a teenager and. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Oh, my God, that reminds me. Number one's mom found, like, eight condoms in his tuxedo jacket right before prom. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Eight? <laughs> eight. Oh, my God. That is so funny. And she had to – she totally freaked out and had to go lie down <laughs> and was totally having a, a kind of Victorian age-style moment about it. And then um, – Number one's dad was tending to her, and she said, that boy is an optimist. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so perfect. Eight condoms. Oh, I love that. I love eight that condoms. so much. We used them all, I just want to say, but not because we had sex eight times, but because we we're stupid and didn't have any lube, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we yeah. just had to keep changing the condom. Yeah. Because we had like, we did have sex probably like five times or something. Yeah. This is prom. You got yeah. it. We had a hotel, so we oh, were going nice. to use it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you got to get your money's worth. 
Okay. That boy is an optimist. Yep. It's hilarious. Well, All right, I darling. feel like we've done it. Um, thanks I think we did the thing. Everyone for listening to our first episode and, um, you know, just a teaser. I feel like my number one story is my least interesting sex story. So just stay tuned for many more trials and tribulations for this, yeah, things, for this things bitch. Get hot and heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Anything else you want to say? Um, no, just make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the second people that we slept with. Things get weird. Things get really weird. Baby, if you want me, come and get me. I swear I'll make it easy on my eyes is what you are. And I don't care. Thanks for listening to What's Your Number? This episode was produced by Moshe and O.H. Greenwood. Our theme music is by No Fancy. Learn more about the podcast at our website, whatsyournumberpod.com. Follow us on Instagram at whatsyournumberpod and on Twitter at There Was This Guy. If you enjoyed what you heard today, leave us a review wherever podcasts are found and subscribe to hear about more sexcapades. 